Blog Talk Radio.
African and they will squeeze you, yeah. My African ears will listen to you. My Kenyan legs will run to you. Yeah. Come on, me put you to break down. Who me put you to get down? Who me put you to take down? Hakuna matata, yeah. Come on, me put you to live develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. Uh, it's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. Oh, no, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. 
But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he's sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. Uh, it's you liberals who have lifted them up, Howard. Paul, you conservatives make a mistake. You can't afford to strangle hope in people. Without hope, people become dangerous. No, Howard, you liberals have let them invade our society. You give them jobs, political jobs. Paul, you missed the point. It's only the smart ones we move up. <laughs> that makes it even worse. Oh, you know, we have to move them up. If we leave a smart one in the ghetto, he might develop into a leader against us. But if we raise him up into white society, we neutralize him. He feels compelled to try to act like us. He loses his identity and uh, his racial anger, if he has any. He becomes alien to his brothers. They realize he sold them out and they grow to hate him. He becomes worthless to them and safe for us. That's no thank you. In fact, in his love for the creature comforts, except for his color, he's become one of us. We'd like to welcome you to Africa on the Move on the second day of July, 2023. Our theme today is a system of corruption and control. That's right. We want to highlight and talk about corruption and control from a systematic point of view. And we welcome you to join us by calling in at 323 Our political panelists and analysts is in the seat. They're going to take the heat. As they define it, they're going to stand behind it. Like we often tell you on Africa on the Moon, we may not give you what you want, but we'll do our best to give you what you need. As you just listened to this opening statement on how do you control African people, it's a good reflection around that theme today, this question of a system of corruption and control. Again, we'd like for you to come and join us as we entertain this theme tonight. Like always, you know how we get started with this party. I'm your host, Brother Africa, and we now will formally introduce to you our political panelists and analysts for today's program. We first will bring in our brother, Anthony, and we are happy to have him back. Brother Anthony, the organizer for the AAPRPGC, we welcome you to Africa on the Move. Thank you for having me, Brother Africa. Revolutionary greetings to you, the fellow panelists, and the listening audience. My name is Anthony Williams. I'm an organizer for the All-African People's Revolutionary Party, GC. Objectivist Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism. 
Thank you, Brother Anthony. And following Brother Anthony, we will now bring in Brother Moses, who is a member of the D.C. Metro Coalition inside there with the Cuban Revolution. Brother Moses, welcome to Africa on the Move. Thank you, thank you, Brother Africa, and greetings to everyone within the sound of my voice, especially the illustrious panelists. My name is Robert Andrew Moses, and I've been in the struggle for scientific socialism from the moment I was introduced to Marxism during a government class back in my high school years, 1968. I call Marxism the race to cure racism. I bear witness that there is one God, Jesus, who is the author and finisher of my faith, and that Mao Zedong is his messenger for government. Fathers, help your children. We don't reverse correct verdicts. I'm pro-choice, and I vote. I bear witness that women hold up half the sky. Therefore, I'm for the Equal Rights Amendment, E-R-A-S. And the struggle continues to be to unite the many to defeat the few. The many have the interests of the of the masses in heart, at, 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 at heart, and um, the only the few benefit from this system we're we're under. And if we just realize we're in a wage slave system, uh, U.S. Israeli Zionist project of ghetto building. And, and uh, we have to recognize that we have to change the situation. Uh, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. And from, Mother, and from Brother Moses, we go to our beloved sister, Eleanor. We'd like to welcome her as well to Africa on the move. Welcome, Sister Eleanor. Good evening, uh, Brother Africa, and to our panelists here and abroad. Thank you so much uh, here in the United States and abroad. Thank you so much for allowing me to to participate in this evening's forum um, as we celebrate uh, Independence Day uh, from British colonialism to now socialist, capitalist, imperialism. You know, the big thing about Africa is the environment and uh, what is happening uh, globally due to our large carbon footprint. And all of us need to think about that and try to reduce the impact we're having on Mother Earth. And remember, we must love our Mother Earth in order for her to continue caring for us. Thank you so much for having me. Look forward to an exciting show as usual this evening. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. For Sister Eleanor, we go to our our brother Subukwe, formerly known as Brother Maurice. Welcome to Africa on the Move. (laughs) Greetings, greetings, Brother Africa Thank you so much again for having me here tonight My name is Brother Maurice, also known as Brother Sabukwe Coined by Brother Lee Uh, Big shoes to fill Um, I am a supporter of the AAPRPGC All-African People Revolutionary Party And also I'm an organizer for the PRHP Pan-African Revolutionary Socialist Party And moreover, I am a worker for the people uh, thank you so much for having having me here tonight. 
It's always a pleasure, Brother Sabukwe, to have you. What we're going to do right now, we're going to take a station break, and when we come back, we want to invite you, the listening audience, to join us at 323-679-0841 as we discuss what's going on in your world and the community. That's right. We want to hear from you. What's going on in your world and the community? We'll be right back. And let's understand that we must all use music as a tool for liberation. Are you man enough to do
capitalism, Zionism, neocolonialism, racism, sexism, all the systems that oppress people are the ones who are setting the world on fire, and we must put it out. Welcome back to Africa and Move as your host, Brother Africa. At this point in time, we're going to make our transition to going on in your world and the community. I can tell you briefly, this past week, my world has been really crazy, and it's a continued day. When we first went on to open up for this program, we're having problems trying to control my board. So if there are some interruptions and some disturbances, bear with us. We'll do the best we can. We don't control the technology. We just use it from time to time. Um, so at this point in time, I would like to go to my political panelists and analysts, and we start with Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, what's going on in your world and the community? Okay. Uh, there are a few events uh, uh, happening in my world. Uh, one, the start uh, uh, here where, uh, where a lot of us are wasting our struggle uh the US uh presidential election campaign is intensifying. And um uh let's see and uh the struggle uh for political power uh among the duopoly intensifies as well as the struggle for, uh, uh, of the uh, masses of working people for uh, genuine political representation and the fact that uh, some forces see that as, a, as an opportunity uh, with the, uh, the Democratic-Republican duopoly uh, intensifying their struggle for political power, an opportunity for uh for a third power uh that represents our people centrist it's also intensifying as well and uh you know and so uh hope is open for a brighter future ahead of us if we uh uh learn how to seize political power in, in ways that work to, uh, to the masses of working people's advantage instead of, uh, you know, depending upon the duopoly. Uh, and also, struggle in, uh, is intensifying uh, against, uh, us, uh, against capitalism worldwide particularly in Africa, Asia, and uh, even Europe. Uh, and, um, you know, this holds uh, hope for, uh, for a broader future of us if the working class can get better organized in order to contest for political power. Thank you, Brother Anthony. From Brother Anthony, we're going to Brother Moses. Brother Moses, what's going on in your world and the community? 
Yes, we we see the presidential elections as he, as Brother Anthony said, it's it's getting into the gear and um there the rhetoric is flying and the propaganda is flying and uh certainly we have third parties that are geared up to um present the working class viewpoint. Uh, uh um I you know, the the old Lenin talked about working in reactionary unions, and uh, I consider the Democratic Party to be along those lines, uh, uh, um, as opposed to dual unionism. And um, anyway, we we have to deal with the realities of, of political power uh, and obtaining political power and. Uh, as opposed to the being a sideline commentators about the system um and um i'm I'm determined that that we can we can uh, make a difference in in um, who's in office and uh, who's controlling the the state and the government and so that's why I vote uh Meanwhile, let's see. The, um, that's the main. That's the most important thing that's going on. That we we got we got to uh, uh, get organized uh, concretely in terms of uh, uh, contesting the the government. Uh, who controls the government and uh and uh, uh it's a, it has to be a hands on approach. I'm just gonna leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. From Brother Moses, let's transition to Sister Eleanor. What's going on in your world in the community? Sister Eleanor. Well, as as uh we know yesterday uh, Donald Trump uh, met with a group of folks in uh, in the Carolinas, and uh, the media, the propaganda is that it's a town of 300, but it was attended by tens of thousands. Well, the reality is is that uh, the media has decided to, uh, under the pretense of, a, of of journalism, objective objective journalism, to uh, be tracking the candidates, such as candidate Biden in 2024, as well as Trump and DeSantos. Um, but also, I think the important thing, one important thing, is you know we got to know our history, and I can't tell you how important that is when you look back and think that the slave voyage project estimated that between 1522 and 1866 more than 12 million African people were trafficked across the Atlantic Ocean. Hundreds of thousands of people were enslaved and sold throughout the United States. Uh, 600 people were publicly sold uh, in Savannah, Georgia, on, in February of 
35. Previously, we thought the largest slave uh, selling of any group of slaves had been in Savannah. But none of that has ever really made sense to me because of the millions that have come and been sold. And we do know that the place where most, the most enslaved Africans were sold were New York City and Charleston. Uh, so, um, you know, that's an important factor, and I think it's very important that people are familiar with our history and uh, and uh, beginning to look at, since they are digitizing um, classified, you can now look through the classified, find where these sales were held and the number of people that were sold. And that's a very interesting thing about the digitizing newspapers. We also know that the Supreme Court has become a political handle and that Trump was taking uh, responsibility for appointing um, all these uh, judges throughout the country, uh, federal judges throughout the country, in particular his three appointees on the Supreme Court. And we've seen that affirmative action completely collapsed, that there is no more, that affirmative action in the Voting Rights Act were the only two bills that mention us as black, people by name and all the other legislation civil rights legislation we were minorities ergo minorities such as bill clinton and hillary clinton give credit to the education bill passed that allowed them to go to school uh, so many people who have migrated to this country are also minorities so they had an opportunity for education and advancement as, quote, minorities. But we saw that uh, something I thought just wouldn't happen, uh, affirmative action is no more. So it did happen. And I had predicted that they would uh, interfere with voting. And uh, they did. But uh, the big case hasn't come up yet. So for now, uh, voting rights and gerrymandering of uh, voting districts is prohibited or can be challenged uh, on a federal level once states misappropriately uh, define their voting districts, as you saw uh, was done in Georgia and uh, parts of Florida with uh, black Af African people have completely been marginalized. They have no more strong voting district. One district in Florida was actually divided into four separate voting districts. So there's no consolidated power there for the people. And the key word is uh, the news. 
the key word from the news media was organize, organize, organize. So if the Republicans are talking about organize, 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 they must have been listening to Brother Anthony, Brother Haki, and you people in Africa on the move because they're definitely into organizing. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. To my brother, Brother Subukwe, what's going on in your world and the community? Yes, Brother Africa. I just want to focus on two things. The first uh, first uh, event that's going on in the world, I would, I would, I would go over briefly uh, due to the sake of time. So basically, this article comes out of the Washington Free, Washington Free uh, I'm sorry, the Washington Post. And basically, um, they uh, this article speaks about Washington D.C. <laughs> Believe it or not, it's in a positive light um, from my point of view because I think all schools, um, public schools, need to adopt this same direction. So basically, the the article speaks about um, next school year, fourth grade, starting in fourth grade, every student in the district uh, in the public school system. They will they will um, learn and have classes about um, menstrual health, um, about menstruation, um, and this is important for students, especially for our young girls, to learn about as an educator in the classroom. Um, I, I, it's, it was a highlight in my view because our, our girl, baby girls, they need to know their bodies and learn about uh, their health. And not only um, learning about it, they will be accommodated by having um, tampons uh, um, uh, or pads, I'm sorry, um, pads and tampons in the bathrooms and in the bathrooms in the school. But this is good for um, female students because, like I said, they, that's, these things are not in place. We have to rely on our girls in the schools have to rely on the school nurse uh, to accommodate them uh, during their time of the month. So this is good. This is um, humanistic, and I'm I'm happy. Uh, you know, it's, it's a positive news. I, I hope uh, the Commonwealth of Virginia will ad- adopt the same thing um, in these public schools um, in Virginia. But moreover, the main thing I wanted to speak about is another article. It comes out of the New York Times about Botswana. Um, basically, it sits on top of South Africa, right in South Africa. Uh, this article speaks about the Bears. And the Bears, for those who don't know, the Bears is a capitalist, uh, it's, it's, it's a parasitic organization company that's been in Africa for a long time, exploiting its resources, mainly its diamonds. Um, you probably see the bears uh, on, you know, on a commercial promoting diamonds, and those diamonds are stolen from Africa. Uh, uh, Kanye West, he come back home, he said diamonds are forever, as he said in his song, talking about the diamond crusade in Sierra Leone. But however, I digress. In the article, it says Botswana produces more of the world's diamonds than any other country but Russia. Um, but Botswana a small landlocked nation in southern Africa keeps only 25% of the rough stones extracted in its agreement with the Bears, an international diamond conglomerate. The Bears take 75%, okay? 
uh, Africa keeps 25%. The bills take 75%. That's some math for you. That disparity has been at the heart of an argument by the president of Botswana. Um, and I'm sorry if I, if I butcher his name, Mogwetsi Masasi, Masisi, that his country is getting a raw deal from De Beers, a London-based company. This is in London, so you have London coming in Africa. Uh, anyhow, uh, Mr. Masasi, the president, has said that if Botswana does not get more, it might walk away from the half-century-old partnership um, when the current agreement expires Friday. And this was last, This was basically last Friday, this past Friday. He state, he continues to say we must refuse to be enslaved. Um, he proclaimed last month during a community meeting at a village 250 miles north of the capital on Gaborone. Uh Sierra Leone, Tanzania, and Uganda also, and not only them, uh, this article only limit, limits them, but the whole Africa, uh, has vast, vast mineral wealth, rich oil, and gas reserves uh, among many uh, countries pressing to hold on to more of the profits from their lucrative resources, arguing that it's necessary to lift people out of poverty, long histories of colonial death, as well as government corruption and mismanagement, colonialism, capitalism, that's not in there, I'm adding this along with that, imperialism, neocolonialism, have prevented many Africans from benefiting from their nation's natural riches. Uh, it's so much information, but um, I continue and try to wrap this up. Brother Africa, you slow me down from, if I'm taking too long. Since the Bears found diamonds in 1966 uh, and mining revenues began to flow, but even in Botswana, where the benefits of mineral wealth have spread, many argue that their country is being cheated. The diamonds belong to them, they say, and it's time for the Bears to take a back seat. Quote, unquote, let us do it our way, said uh, Bogatlo Montigua, 39 years old. He works for a subcontractor at uh, Jawangning Mine. He works at a mine, the world's most lucrative diamond mine, about two hours west of Gaborone. We are learned enough now, like those diamonds. We are are processed now, he says. Um, Many Botswana, many Botswana, as the country's citizens are called, uh, are also demanding more from the deal because their country is one of the most unequal in the world, according to the World Bank, another um, organization that is parasitic, the World Bank. Um, okay. Another uh, brother, uh, Kafilwe, um, he's 44 years old. He said it, He stated, these diamonds are only working for the president, not the ordinary person. Um, he's unemployed, um, and this is what he says, and, and I agree. So that's what's going on, you know, uh, in Africa and in, in our world. Uh, the Bears, you know, 1938, uh, they was in the country uh, when British was uh, when it was British colonized them, um, you know, and the company first found diamonds, as the article stated, beneath Botswana. Plains in 1966, the same year the country's gained independence. Now, if you study Africa, if you know Africa, you know something. You have to look at that. In 1966, when they gained independence, all of a sudden we know we found out that these diamonds there, 
they knew the diamonds was there since 1834, 80, 1800s, when you had the Berlin Conference, um, you know, and they came to Africa and they are sucking Africa draft. And it, it is up to us as Africans and the masses of people to organize for a scientific, socialistic Africa with no borders, with no uh, West Western invaders coming in, sucking out organi- uh, sucking out uh, land draft, no land mines, no mines, uh, deep holes uh, in our continent. Locusts run rampant. They are killing our land. And they're killing us everywhere. But thank you so much. And I conclude. Brother Sabukwe, it sounds like, again, we're dealing with a systematic system of corruption and control. And once you come to realization, we'll be in a better position to start changing our realities. Um, in terms of talking about what's going on in your world and the community, I'd like to just remind our listening audience and our panelists some historic events that has taken place, and like just get a general response from y'all in terms of the events as a reminder, which I think for this past week was was is very significant to our people' daily progress. You know, in 1962, on June the 25th. The front of the liberation of Mozambique, Filimo, was founded in 1962, this past week. That was on June the 25th. As well as Mozambique gained its political independence from the Portuguese colonialism in 1975. That's a date and set of events, I think. We should always be mindful. And at some point, I'd like, you know, some of y'all to respond to, to these events and what you, um, how do you attach significance to it? On the 26th of, of June, 1995, South African Freedom Day declared a memory, a memory of the determination of South African people to carry on the struggle against racism, exploitation, and oppression. Okay. This was on the 26th of 1955, the day they set aside to continue the struggle, which still goes on today. On June 28th, Malcolm X, founded the sucker branch of the Organization of Afro-American Unity in 1964. June 29th, just a few days ago, our brother Kwame Touré, formerly known as Stokely Carmichael, was born in Trinidad in 1941, and the National Black United Front was founded in 1980. And just on the 30th, two days ago, June the 30th, 30th, Congo Independence Day was declared in 1960. So based on some of these significant historical events that I just named, are there any um, narratives or any response or significance any of my panelists and analysts would like to add to these events? <laughs> 
start off with you, Brother Anthony. Yes. Um the uh the 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 uh for for to give to give the Mozambican struggle for uh for for independence and as an example, it shows the importance of uh, of our people being organized. And was it was the hard work and organization of the masses of people in Mozambique that made their their uh, their uh, 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 obtaining independence possible. Even from the because the Portuguese had been in Mozambique for a long time, for 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 many many years, and it was only the hard work and struggles of the Mozambican people that made the obtaining of independence possible. Even though without the total liberation of Africa under a scientific socialist government, that re- that independence remains uh, a sham. Without the liberation of the total liberation and unification of Africa, under scientific socialism. So we have a lot of work left to do, but but it starts with the organization of the masses of our people that will that, that will bring our freedom, make our freedom possible. And Kwame Ture contributed to that to that tremendously during his lifetime. Which was started uh, June twenty ninth, nineteen forty one. And brother Anthony, based upon being an inheritor of his works and works of Kwame Nkrumah and Secretary Ray, there are many narratives that have been presented to the world or misinforming the world of who brother Kwame Ray was and his contribution. What will be your narrative is your understanding and having a chance to work for him many years as you continue to carry on his work through building the all African people's revolutionary part of G C. What would you say to the listening audience? Uh that it is important the best way to uh to carry on a Kwamitore's legacy is by joining a political organization that is working for people's liberation. And one such organization is the All African People's Revolutionary Party, GC, which uh, continues uh, in uh, his legacy of work, of organizing the masses of people into a, a political organization that is working for our liberation. Uh, today, and that struggle intensifies today uh, because we need, uh, need we need Pan Africanism more than ever, and uh, it's only through permanent political organization that we will be able to obtain that. Thank you, Brother Anthony, Brother Moses. When we talk about during the memorial day that was declared on the 26th of June 
back in 1965 by our brothers and sisters dealing with South African Freedom Day. And it was a, uh, it was a day to determine was, was the determination of the South African people to carry on the struggle against racism, exploitation, and oppression. Why do you think this particular day is important to continue it as it relates to the liberation of our people? What's your thoughts on that, Brother Moses? Certainly, um, you know, we recognize that the struggle is very real and it's very, very protracted. And uh, at the risk of sounding ridiculous, uh, a true revolutionary is guided by great feelings of love for the people. And so we have to, we have to encompass the needs of the people and look beyond uh, um, their shortcomings and uh, faults and see what their needs are and address their needs. And uh, certainly, you know, racism is is a systematic and organizational problem, and we must address it as, as an organization, a systematic problem, and, and re- reorganize and restructure the, the system. Uh, but, yes, we should continue to, to uh, recognize that uh, – that day is a uh, um, commemoration of, of the struggle, and uh, renew our renew our vows and uh, continue the struggle. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Is there anything you would like to say about any other significant dates and events that took place this past week? I just don't limit limit to you to that one. Any thoughts on Kwame Ture or the founding and organization of? The second branch of the organization, Afro America Unity by Malcolm X in 64 on the 28th of June or the Congo Independence. Any thoughts on no events, the historical legacies? All these, all these events is an attempt to organize, uh, to solve the problem. And the scientific solution is the solution. And uh, everything we can do to uh, organize the people uh, to fight back and to resist the evil that this system uh, perpetuates, and um, and um, so we need we need to be doing everything we can. Uh, uh, and let me say that concretely, in the U.S. of A. right now, concretely, Trump and the the Republican Party represent the fascist forces. Uh, 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 and um, we have to we have to realize that. I think there's a lot of a confusion about what fascism is and uh, who uh, who are the enemies, and you know people are defending Trump, and um, but anyway, I'll leave it right there. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. This is Eleanor. Your thoughts on some of these significant events that I've just um, articulated. Your thoughts, Sister Eleanor. Well, it makes me think about. Uh, Patrice Lumumba, because on um, July 1st, 2022, uh, the Congo independent hero Patrice Lumumba was honored 61 years after his death. And uh, the Congo, his activities, Lumumba, it makes me think of him and how he his reputation inspired hope for independence for throughout Africa in the 20th century. 
So, uh, you know, that may be it. And, and though that independence was from Belgium, but it makes me, me think of that and uh, the fact that the uh, Cold War uh, against uh, the Congo was between 1960 and 65. The reality of uh, Lumumba being shot down by a firing squad is uh, outrageous. But he was born on the second day of July 1925, and uh, that's an interesting thing. And though he died January 17, uh, 1961. So there's a lot to think about in terms of uh, independence and uh, uh, the Congo Kinshasa I think we were talking about also formerly the country of Zaire, but uh, there is so much um, um, to think about, and I would just close with the symbolism of uh, uh, June 20th, 2022, uh, when the Congolese independence leader, Patrice Lamont, Lumumba's remains were returned to Africa, and what they returned, I understand, was a gold crown. After all these years, uh, Belgium returned his, quote, remains. And that happened uh, around this time last year. So that's uh, about it for me. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Maurice, we bring you in, and we want you to maybe respond to, to any event, anything that you'd like to add to them. Of course, of course. Long live Lumumba. Long live Lumumba. Long live Kwame Ture and all our African freedom fighters for, for the fight to get us free, man. Um, Patrice Lumumba, we, 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 we will always hold up Lumumba and, 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 and Kwame Ture, man. Um, if, if, if you're, if you're, if you're a African who wants your people to be free, these are two individuals that you need to study, study on a daily basis. I try my best to study these two gentlemen, uh, freedom fighters, revolutionaries on a daily basis, um, they, 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 these individuals um, filled my spirit with the fight, with the hunger to fight. Uh, as Kwame Ture said, man, um, you have to, you know, if you, if you're not being uh, challenged, if you will, by I'm paraphrasing, by the way, but if you're not being challenged by the capitalist government, if you're not being antagonized, we are being antagonized on a daily basis, and they're going to keep antagonizing us as we continue to fight back. Um, when we are fighting, they are working to every day to uh, to undermine us and to to lead us to our demise on a daily basis. We have to fight. We have to organize and organize and organize. As Kwame Ture say, we have to organize and organize. And and I say, man, you know, uh, as Patrice, I, and I just want to say this: Patrice Lumumba was assassinated. I was born. My birthday is January seventeenth. Um, the same day he was assassinated. 
So it's it's more it's putting more on my shoulders to try to fulfill that that saying is oh you kill one five hundred more uh, five hundred more are born if you cut off one head five hundred more heads <laughs> you got to cut off brother more than that so I just want to say that I'm a I'm a seed of the Mumba and we we we're gonna still be here fighting until we to to every breath um that that I can and there's more of the moments that are are born on a daily basis. Uh, on his day that he was assassinated or not. And I just want to point out that you're dealing with a vicious government of the United States of America and France. France is on fire right now because of a 17-year-old North African from Algeria. He was killed and murdered down by police. They deployed 40,000 police, and you have Belgium. All of these Western uh, 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 governments are corrupt. They came up with a whole... They got doctors working on the in the CIA right now. So when we uh, when we ask is, is COVID man made, when we ask is all is disease man made in the lab, I'm going to say they have that power. It was a devil by the name of Sidney Gottlieb who worked at a CIA Langley, Virginia uh, CIA uh, uh, medical uh, uh, facility, if you will. And not even the medical. That's it wasn't nothing medical body. It wasn't healing anything. He was more creating a poison toothpaste to kill and assassinate Patrice Lumumba. These are the people we are dealing with. Lumumba was a man of love for his people. He told Africans here in the United States of America, why y'all, why, why y'all want to continue to catch hell? This is during the civil rights movement. Y'all want to continue to be uh, sprayed by water hoses, bit by dogs. Hell, you can come to the Congo. Congo, we got enough space in the Congo to take all of y'all back here to your home. That's what he told us to the black man here in the United States and the United Snakes of America. So long live Lumumba and long live Kwame Ture. And that's conclude what I have to say. I have more, but I'd be on here all night, Brother Africa, till, till Tuesday morning, longer than that. If I was on, till I have no more breath in my body speaking about our, my, our beloved brothers, man, and our freedom fighters. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Subukwe. And what we're going to do right now, we're going to take a minute or so to acknowledge a belated birthday to our beloved brother Kwame Toure, who was born on 1941, June the 29th. To our brother Kwame Toure, this is for you.
Happy birthday, Brother Kwame Ture. It should be a day that revolution is celebrated all throughout the world. We should remember all progressive revolution. So happy birthday to our brother. This is Africa on the Move. What we're going to do is we're going to make a transition when we come back to our theme tonight, a system of corruption and control. That's right. So we're going to play some revolutionary music. And following our music, we're going to play a clipping that talks about this question of this system of corruption and control by the CIA and how to use news and propaganda to continually to corrupt the people and to control the masses of the people of the world. So this is Africa on the Move. That's right. We're in the seat and we're going to take the heat because we're going to define it and stand behind it. He said, rougher the water, stronger the swimmer. And we have some strong swimmers on here tonight. So let's just sit back, take in this information, and we're going to create air narrative based upon our experiences. This is Africa on the move. And don't you go nowhere.
know that you can't believe everything you read, but at the same time, most journalists do try their level best to get the facts straight. It requires checking and, wherever possible, a first-hand account of what's happening. But an eyewitness account is not always possible, particularly in nasty wars on the other side of the world, and so reporters sometimes have to rely on other people's accounts. The story then becomes as good as its source, and sources sometimes lie. The U.S. Central Intelligence Agency, the CIA, deals in information and misinformation. Tonight we see how the CIA has been able to plant news reports that aren't just inaccurate, but totally fabricated. This is Angola, a former Portuguese colony in southwest Africa that's been at war since the mid-70s. Its left-wing government, supported by Cuban soldiers, fights a continual battle against guerrillas backed by South Africa. Ten years ago, the Soviets helped send guns and troops here, and the United States responded with support for the guerrillas. According to newspapers at the time, that's how the Angolan War started. But did it? John Stockwell, wearing the cross, worked for the CIA for 12 years. As a colonel, his last assignment was to run the U.S. campaign in Angola. The basic theme was to make it look like a, a Russian-Cuban aggression in Angola. 
And so any kind of story that you could write and get into the media anywhere that, that pushed that line, you did. Uh, one third of my staff in this task force was covert action, was propagandists, whose professional career jobs was making up stories and finding ways to get them into the press. In 1975, the resource-rich African country was being fought over by three factions. Agostino Neto led the left-wing MPLA, which eventually became the government. Jonas Savimbi, an anti-Marxist, led UNITA, which was openly supported by South Africa. And another anti-communist force was led by Holden Roberto, who had been paid by the CIA for 14 years and was now to receive major U.S. support. The CIA had just closed down three long-term paramilitary operations in Southeast Asia. Uh, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. They had over a thousand paramilitary case officers come flocking back to Washington. They didn't have desks for everybody, much less jobs, and morale was rock bottom low. They wanted a covert action. They wanted a paramilitary encounter. The rationale uh, was that uh, uh, the Soviet Union was trying to take advantage of the United States' weakness right after the, the Vietnam War that Angola was getting its independence and they were trying to snap it up. And that Henry Kissinger decided that we could not be weak and we wouldn't let them do it. Our own files disproved that. We moved into Angola first and Russians were responding to us. But before the CIA could move, the U.S. National Security Council had to be sold and Stockwell helped with the briefing. The first briefings on Angola literally went, gentlemen, this is a map of Africa. Here is Angola. And then they went on with a chart to explain there are three liberation movements in Angola. One of them is headed by Holden Roberto. He's the good guy. We've worked with him for years, and they use literally good guy. Then the, the MPLA is headed by this drunken, psychotic Marxist poet, Augustino Neto. He's the bad guy and they used exactly the, so to make sure that people understood. <laughs> Once the National Security Council had given its blessing, Stockwell and the CIA cranked up their propaganda machine, and newspapers around the world became unwitting accomplices in the campaign. From the CIA's headquarters, Stockwell sent his propagandists to Britain, Portugal, Zambia, and Zaire. Far from the battlefield in Angola, they wrote news releases for the two Western-backed factions, and these were fed into the ticker tapes of the Western media. Stockwell's CIA men also wined and dined Western journalists and gave them personal briefings. His man in Zambia was particularly enthusiastic. He ran a story that the city of Malangi had been captured by the UNITA forces, and in doing so, it captured 20 Russian advisors and uh, they thought this would show that Russians were running the thing in Angola. There weren't Russian advisors. It wasn't a factor, and we knew that. But the story did well. The Toronto Star, like many newspapers, picked it up from Reuters News Agency. It was also carried in the Montreal Gazette and in the Vancouver Sun. I, I remember reporting that very clearly. Fred Berglund was the writer's reporter who filed the story from Zambia. Um, years later, I discovered that um, a little CIA um, misinformation expert had sat in the um, U.S. Embassy in Lusaka and had composed that communique, and it bore absolutely no relationship at all to truth. You've got to remember, at that stage, during a war, um, 
you're working under incredible pressure. I, I worked for four months without a day off for 16 hours a day. And all that was wanted was a flow of information. I mean, I, I'd done the same in the Middle East War. I, uh, I was based in Damascus. And in the first week of the war in Damascus, I, I wiped out the Israeli Air Force three times over with official statements. Reuters, with its headquarters here on London's Fleet Street, is one of the world's largest news agencies. Its international bureaus provide many newspapers with their only source of news from far parts of the globe. Well, I mean, with hindsight, um, some of the official statements from the side I was reporting, and I stress from the side I was reporting, but also from the side that people in, um, in Luanda with the MPLA were reporting, clearly most of those, rep those statements were completely false. The CIA man in Zambia soon came up with an even better story. He had some Cuban soldiers uh, raping some young Angolan girls. Uh, then there was a battle, and he had uh, that Cuban unit cut off and captured. And then he had the Cuban women, the victims, identifying their rapists. And then there was a trial, and they were convicted. And then he had them executed by a firing squad of the women who had supposedly been violated with photographs of, of, of young African women with uh, weapons shooting down these Cubans. Uh, there had never been a rape. There had never been the military action. The Cubans had never been captured. Uh, it was all fiction. Fiction, maybe. But it showed up on the front page of papers like the Toronto Star. The Toronto Globe and Mail also ran the story, and its headline attributed it to Angolan guerrillas. Many other Canadian newspapers in cities like Winnipeg, Montreal, and Halifax picked up the story. Basically, and to put it very crudely, you can um, publish any old crap you like, and it will get um, get a um, newspaper room. But despite the best efforts of the CIA, the armies it supported didn't stand much of a chance once Cuban soldiers showed up. The force led by the man who'd been on the CIA payroll, Holden Roberto, was wiped out. And UNITA and the South Africans made a hasty retreat. Back in Washington, Congress didn't want another Vietnam and voted against spending any more money in Angola. More recently, the CIA has found work for its skilled writers in Central America, particularly in the campaign against the Sandinistas in Nicaragua. First, the arms flow story. According to President Reagan, Nicaragua supplied guns to left-wing guerrillas in neighboring El Salvador. The Sandinista dictatorship of Nicaragua, with full Cuban-Soviet bloc support, not only persecutes its people, the church, and denies a free press, but arms and provides bases for communist terrorists attacking neighboring states. David McMichael was the CIA's senior analyst on Nicaragua. He was asked to write a report on the arms flow, but when he looked at the evidence, it didn't support Reagan's claims. The, the argument that we're dealing with here is, do these arms come through or from Nicaragua with the complicity of the Nicaraguan government? And the evidence does not sustain that. In 1981, the CIA asked McMichael for a report on the Nicaraguan press, opposition, and church. And uh, my, my conclusion was that, uh, you know, there was a significant space for these 
uh, for these groups to operate, uh, but that they were in no, in no danger of suppression or disappearance. Compared to any other Central American country, Nicaragua has by far the liveliest uh, opposition press and media. Over two-thirds, for example, of the 40-odd radio stations in the country are, are still privately owned and generally speak their mind. When McMichael spoke his mind, the CIA didn't like it. He was fired. But after four years of fighting, now the Nicaraguan government has suspended many freedoms. In the world's newsrooms, the CIA efforts at disinformation continue to turn up. In 1982, reporters were shown photographs of what the CIA said were Soviet bases in Nicaragua, identifiable by their Soviet-styled obstacle courses, training areas, and guns. I used to laugh and say, look at that Soviet-style baseball diamond over there, you know. Um, you know, this is, this is almost foolish, really, you know, to talk about this. First of all, they're not Soviet military bases. That's, that's the whole point. The second is that a barracks is a barracks. You know, an obstacle course is an obstacle course. Soviet freighter Bakuriani pulled into the Nicaraguan port of Corinto today, carrying a mystery cargo which could lead to a showdown between the Sandinista... Just over a year ago, on the day President Reagan was re-elected, his administration came up with another Nicaragua story. This one had to do with Soviet MiG fighters, which Washington said had been shipped to Nicaragua in some mysterious crates detected by satellite surveillance. The result was more headlines. But as the story developed, doubts began to emerge. Ronald Reagan had a warning today for Nicaragua and for the Soviet Union. Reagan said the U.S. still cannot confirm reports that Nicaragua has received a shipment of MiG-21 jets. But he said if the reports turn out to be true, the U.S. would take a very dim view. The Nicaraguan government has denied that crates taken off a Soviet freighter today contain any warplanes. And it's accused Reagan of trying to whip up an invasion fever. By week's end, U.S. officials were saying there weren't any MiGs after all. It's the usual thing. The charge makes the headlines. The retraction makes the inside pages. Eight or ten days later, it's revealed, well, MiGs weren't on the way, but that's no longer a headline. So what one is left with is the overall impression from the screaming headlines of the week earlier that Nicaragua continues to represent this enormous danger to the security of the United States. This nation of three million impoverished souls, half of whom are under the age of 15, you know. Well, I would, I, I would say people are very silly if they believe everything that newspapers tell them. And I think pro probably anybody who buys a newspaper needs a course on how to read newspapers. We want you back to Africa on the move. And we'll make our transition to our theme today, which is a system of corruption and control. We just listened to a documentary on the CIA and fake news in the 1980s. It was, if it were fake news in the 1980s, what you think it is now in 2023 as we listen to these news narratives? One of the things we know today, when we talk about the, four, the three branches of the U.S. government, we should add a fourth one to it and call it Hollywood. It's well open and understood that Hollywood has a very close connection with the Pentagon 
and the Pentagon influence and mentally dictates what information and images and movies are given out in the industry that they call Hollywood, the Hollywood industry. So, panelists, let's speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. When we talk about a system of corruption and control, and we look at the question in the media, how do y'all view this narrative that we are receiving now out of this question of Ukraine, the question in Cuba, accusing them of having China set up a base to spy on the U.S., this question of locking up ambassadors and dignitaries, i.e. Al-Assad in Venezuela and saying he wasn't a diplomat and the stuff that's going on in Venezuela, not, you don't have a democracy. When it comes to the media panelists, speak to how do we deal with this question of corruption and this question that they want to control the narrative to control the minds and the hearts of the people. Your thoughts on this, Brother Anthony? Certainly. Um, uh, Let's see, Africa and uh, Central and South America are victims of neocolonialism, which is a system of indirect uh, control uh, that capitalist countries like to engage in because it puts uh, puppets uh, up front and uh, leaves the puppeteer, uh, the uh, capitalist, uh, out of the picture or away from the camera lens, so to speak. And it puts uh, puppets up front and uh, that is how neocolonialism works throughout the world and it's the primary manifestation of imperialism worldwide and that is what the masses of the people see the puppets not the puppeteer and uh, this system of uh, neocolon of uh, indirect rule uh, has worked for several decades in Central and South America and in Africa, primarily. And uh, this uh, uh, form of corruption has manifested itself uh, throughout Africa and Central and South America for several years. And people are confused by it. And uh, that makes the struggle against imperialism and capitalism much more difficult. The enemy looks like us. And uh, we have to clarify this confusion among the masses of our people in order for neocolonialism to be defeated once and for all. 
Thank you, Brother Anthony. Brother Moses, what you take from this question when we look at the media today, how does the media plays a hand into being corrupt, covering corruption, and controlling the behavior ideas of the people? Give me your take, Brother Moses. Yes. Uh, as Marx pointed out, the ruling class ideas are always the dominant ideas in society. And so the media perpetuates the interests of the ruling class, this, this um, U.S.-Israeli Zionist project. Um, and with the whole world is paying for, we're paying billions to prop up the state of Israel. And we're all complicit in that we're, we're, business goes on as usual. And what, meanwhile, the Palestinians are dying daily. Uh, the newspapers, you know, carry the Israeli viewpoint, the U.S. viewpoint, and uh, it's up to the masses of the people of the world to see through this propaganda and uh, unite to defeat the enemy. I'll leave it right there. Thank you. From Brother Moses to Sister Eleanor, your thoughts, Sister Eleanor. And, and uh, you're talking about the media today? Yes, Ms. Eleanor, we're on the same subject. Uh, yeah, well, I, uh, the media today, uh, Ronald Reagan changed it uh, significantly. Uh, one, when he decided that we need to downgrade who had access to uh, college education. And two, when journalists were no longer required to be fact-finders. But I also wanted to go back to the issue of Angola. And uh, the war in Angola is an example of uh, propaganda. When the U.S. was supporting UNITA and the FLNA, uh, Cuba and, and Russia were supporting the MPLA the total liberation movement uh, for for the Congo. And uh, the, the Cuba sent over 35,000 soldiers to fight that battle. And all we have to do is remember our history to see how the media affects uh, change in our behavior. When we realize that Cuba has four things, standards, it will only send soldiers to fight colonialism and oppression. It sends educators and doctors. And the fourth element uh, I, I can't think of right now off the top of my head. I apologize, Brother Africa. So when you see Cuba supporting Nicaragua, supporting Venezuela, you know that these are truly governments elected by the people, and we saw that last year with the election in Nicaragua where the Sandistas uh, took the uh, indigenous votes as well as the votes of the, ma- of the working class. So uh, the, the media's misrepresentation and the uh, U.S. government uh, antagonism towards 
independence uh, and uh, people shaking the shackles of colonialism and uh, capitalism and, and social imperialism is at its height. Look at the United right now. It itself has institutionalized poverty. It has set up an authoritarian regime for people just maintaining access to housing, to, to utility access, to food. So we, we don't have to question this. Anyone listening to this show who may be depending on SNAP benefits or Medicaid knows the reality of how the application process has changed over the years and how mandatory government IDs are required. You know, we are in a real state of authoritarianism in this country. In 74 and 75, you know, you saw uh, the, the Congo and you saw the Portuguese uh, having lost power because the authoritarian fascist government was crushed by the people of Portugal. Therefore, they had no interest in maintaining uh, colonial ties with any former colonies, and the, the, the war was on. The U.S. imperialists had uh, enjoyed the profits of rubber and coal tanks which you need in all these cell phones for for a century, and they don't want to let it go and still are working with the neo-colonialist leaders, as one of the speakers said, not working with the people for the profit of the people when you were discussing one brother, not one one brother Maurice was discussing uh, diamonds and the diamond trade and how the people profit none from the diamonds, only the dictators, colonialist families, and close ties profit from this. So the media is effective. Uh, people are reading less than ever. The literacy rate in the United States has greatly declined. And um, with these algorithms, on our computers, that they feed you what you read and what you want to hear. And when you look at the New York Times or look at the uh, Washington Post, uh, very, very, you might, you still might get a bit of a, uh, objective journalism where you hear about what's going on around the world. But overall, this information uh, we don't have access to in the United States. News is, um, uh, you know, discussing the weather, how many of us killed each other in the streets, uh, the shooting in Baltimore. All these things are important, but we don't get to the root of the problem. We don't um, have a a system that is able to shut down these sites that are encouraging these young people 
And uh, as uh, one of the um, videos or podcasts I listened to recently, the person spoke about social media and, and the impact it has on our lives. So now we are combating social media as well as the, quote, media. And the war is on. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. Brother Sabukwe, you know that the media doesn't lie some of the time. It lies all the time. Now, we look at the media in the past as well as today. It serves the interest. It serves the interest of those who are in power. It serves the interest to those who have investment in their institution. And it serves the interest based upon their own their own self-interest. So when we talk about this question of control and this question of corruption, how do we use the media as a means to not to get caught up in these um, deceptions? Just give me your general response to how we should deal with this question in the media. Brother Sabukwe. Brother Africa, I just want to say that what you stated earlier, I had a professor when I was an undergrad at the University of Richmond. He stated the same exact thing that you stated when you said that the media is the fourth branch to the United States government. Hollywood is the fourth branch to the United States government. Now, I'm just not just, you know, I'm not to try to give, you know, don't, don't, don't take it like, I hope nobody, don't take it like, oh, because a professor said it to give truth to it. I'm just, it's just interesting that he represented at university, right? And he says the same, same thing, political science department professor. But I digress. Um, what can be done? We're already doing it here on Africa on the Move, brother. After you are doing it with your prep platform, the people media platform of Africa on the Move, developing people media platforms. That's what we can do. Platforms that, that's going to give it, that's going to tell you the, the truth, that's going to give you food for thought and food for liberation to our freedom, okay? Um, uh, having our own newspapers, um, you know, uh, and shout out to Boots Rally. You know, he's a director uh he 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 released um I'm a Virgo. It's a good good uh you know good um series on Amazon. You gotta go through an Amazon platform to watch it, but it's a, it's a good series. The the hero of that movie is a is an African sister socialist. Um, but anyhow, that's what we can do uh, to attack um not to attack the counter act counter act is propaganda. The United States. Uh, of America, this, this this Hollywood propaganda, many it's negative. It's full of you know murder, violence, sex, drugs. Um, you look at it, man. Every African sitcom or show or reality show, it has violence. I don't care if it's a if it's Snowfall, if it's Power, if it's Love and Hip Hop, Atlanta, Georgia, New York, whatever you have it, it's violence. Uh, the sports. Um, I was looking at something. They used some. They propped up some athlete over in, in London. I think he was a, a soccer player. Um, they propped him up to try to quell the rebellions in, in London. So violence, not the key. And, 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 and I know I'm going off track, but it's, it's all connected. The thing that boggles, that boggles me 
is every time when we rebel, right, when we stand up for our uh, fellow brothers and sisters who are getting gunned down, killed uh, by police officers or the military complex, that's when they, they prop these athletes to come out and say, oh, uh, uh, Quail, let's stop violence is not the answer. Where was that same energy at when the police uh, is killing us day, day, on a daily basis, when capitalism is killing us daily on a daily basis, when capitalism is raping Africa, on a, uh, and not only Africa is rape, raping Haiti, rape, is trying to rape Cuba. It, it is, uh, in a sense, um, raping Cuba through these damn embargoes. They're in Palestine. They're in the Middle East. They're all over the world, these parasites, right? And we're here in the belly of the beast suffering domestic uh, colonialism. Um, and this media ain't nothing but tell our vision. Um, telling, they're telling their vision, keeping us entertained. Entertainment is, is, is good in some, some efforts, but when you're entertained all the time on your phone, you got social media, then you got, uh, you got the radio stations, they playing trash music. And then it, it's just, it's all around. You got our kids uh, hypnotized through the means of TikTok. I mean, I, you know, it goes on and on. So what we need to do, we need to keep uh, developing our own media platforms. Shout out to Bino and Fino who, 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 who based out of, um, based their uh, cartoon YouTube platform on African children out of Bikini Faso, uh, home of Thomas Sankara. You understand what I'm saying? She's a Thomas Sankara. We got to build our own media people centered platforms and that's what we're doing here on Africa on the move thank you brother Subukwe what we're going to do right now we will continue to give examples as relates to our theme today a system of corruption control I'm going to ask you to listen to this clipping by Walter Rodney back in 1972 I believe in California around African Liberation Day and think about this whole question of control in terms of dividing African people and creating confusion in terms of our identity. And more importantly, this whole question of the use or lack of information, how to control information. And let's come back to have the discussion. It's only about three minutes, and we'll be right back. Listen carefully. A negative attitude towards Africa. In San Francisco, on African Liberation Day, Brother Walter Rodney, an African historian, noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification. I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother tongue, quote unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese, as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are. And that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance, because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. When we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every 
other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards on the Europe or Europeans you will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese, you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans the only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negroes. A negative attitude towards Africa. In San Francisco, on African Liberation Day, Brother Walter Rodney an African historian noted both the importance of African Liberation Day in terms of our African identity and some of the root causes for our problem of identification. I have met brothers and sisters who say that their mother tongue, quote unquote, is French, Spanish, Dutch, Portuguese, as well as English, which we speak. And because of this, we have a problem of identification. We do not know whom we are. And that is why this gathering is of great symbolic importance, because it is an act of identification. We are saying that we identify with the African people of the African continent. We are saying that we are an African people. When we make this identification, have no illusions about the fact that this is a very revolutionary initiative. It is a rejection of every other form of identification which the white society has asked us to accept. Let me draw your attention to something which white universities and white libraries practice. And this is a university community. Numerous universities lie around this land. Go into their libraries and check the Library of Congress cards on the Europe or Europeans. You will find all entries listed concerning the continent of Europe. You will also find entries listed about Europeans in East Africa, Europeans in North Africa, Europeans in Asia and Australia. Look under the Chinese you will find entries listed not only for mainland China, but for Malaysia and for the Chinese in, in, the, in North America. But look on the Africa and the Africans. The only entries on the Africans relate to the continent itself. There are no entries on the Africans overseas. There is no such category. Africans who have been raped from the continent mysteriously disappear and become Negroes. Some become some become Negroes, some become African Americans, some become me. But as you can see, 
this question of the system is systematized to create corruption and, co- and control in all kind of forms. We were talking about the university and the education system through its libraries and books. Information that seeks to connect African people as one and to Africa, that's rule of thumb that is not allowed in, the, in this Western world and under this imperialist capitalist system. We must understand what is being done in terms of this question of corruption control, particularly around this question of identity. For example, when you look at what just recently took place in, in, in France, the shooting of a 17-year-old African brother from Algeria and how they try to live with it and, and how they responded to it, is any different to how they shot and shoot African youth today in the U.S. and how the police force respond to it? Is there any difference how they shoot and kill African brothers and sisters in Colombia been doing it for centuries? The actions are the same, but yet they give you the illusion that we are different people. Even under this concept of sports, this young brother out of France who's about seven feet three who can play basketball, have you noticed they don't tell you he's an African. They tell you he's, he's, he's a Frenchman. He's from France. Look at your soccer, some of your best athletes in soccer. No matter what country they come from, they don't highlight their identity as the African. They can tell you he is based upon where he lives. He's a German. He's a Spaniard. This is the kind of control and corruption that continue to play today. And even in the sports industry, it's a manifestation of slavery on the highest level. Just recently, the National Basketball Association, the NFL, they renewed their contractual relationships to their slaves, which I call the ball players, in terms of how much a team will pay in terms of their expenses, which is against the rules of capitalism, and based on how much a team will be giving, how much to be invested in, that would dictate how much wealth each one of these individual slaves will receive. It's another way of reducing your wealth and still making you become dependent and not giving you full value. While at the same time, the owner's property is still unlimited. He get more. He get more. He get more. Where's this question of you putting a limitation on this question of how much a team can invest in as it relates to a product of the owner. But they're only doing this, again, these are forms of corruption and control. We're now starting next year in the NBA, most basketball players, not if not all of them, will be grossly underpaid because now they have a, a salary scale where teams can't go over to spend, but they don't have a salary scale in terms of how much money an owner can make from these brothers and sisters playing these sports. They also won't make you think about different people. In baseball, the new game is they no longer hire Africans who are born in America to play baseball. They go and get the Africans out of Central South America. The new trend in the NBA, 
They're trying to split the African people by making you think that the African ball players that come out of Europe, they develop differently. They are smarter. They are more refined, and they are not African. Can you see this game that's been played around corruption and control as relates to our people? Brother Anthony, talk to me about Sue's question about, again, how institutions play a role, libraries play a role, and how to continue to refuse to want to see us as one African people, even though our behavior, the way they treat us, is the same universally. Your response, Brother Anthony. Sure. Uh, your 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 observation uh, observations are correct. They do, uh, you know, confuse us on the question of identity by uh, by by basing our entity, our identity on where we're born, as opposed to what what identity is has been historically. Which is uh, which confuses us on the identity question. They base it upon where we are born, as opposed to our cultural identity, which is more uh, more accurate and correct. And uh, we're called or or we're, we're called all kinds of names based upon where we're born as opposed to our cultural identity, which is African. Uh, For example, Africans born in the U.S. are called uh, so-called Americans instead of our correct name, which is African. And uh, we're burdened by that confusion no matter where in the world we are born. And uh, this confusion manifests itself in terms of being called Frenchmen or British or Britons. And uh, that it is to conf- uh, to uh, imply that where we're born is more important important than our cultural identity. And uh, this is confusion. And uh, we need to put an end to this confusion by identifying ourselves culturally instead of what Europeans label us as. And uh, this confusion needs to end 
and put a stop to by, uh, you know, basing our identity by our culture. And uh, this happens throughout the world, no matter where Africans are actually uh, identify themselves. Thank you, Brother Atkins. Sister Alma, talk to me. The question is, uh, Brother Africa. Sister Alma, the question is, as we look at the various institutions, libraries, universities, and this systematic way for how they corrupt and control who we are in terms of our identity must be fought against. And we can see these contradictions, Sister Eleanor, for how they use us in sports. We can see these contradictions, Sister Eleanor, how they have a unity of action, the way you treat Africans globally, but when it comes to seeing us as one and seeing us as Africans, they try to confuse us as we are separate people. Just out there, is there any difference between the brother they shot in the head in France a couple of days ago from Algeria, from the brothers that killed and beat in soccer games, from the brothers and sisters of Colombia that getting shot every day by these same forces or the same mindset, which they tell you, i.e., like in Ukraine, how racist that so-called comedian guy they call president and the some of the people out of Ukraine. Systematically, they play Africans off against each other in the National Baseball League. They have to do strategy, Sister Eleanor. They choose Africans well, from Central and South America to play baseball, and they don't get no Africans, no contract here in the United States. They try to split us in Nevada, Sister Eleanor. Sister Eleanor, they say the Africans that come out of Europe, they call them Frenchmen, Germany. They say they are a little more better than the Africans here, but yet they don't call them Africans. Talk to me, Sister Mel Agnor. What you have on this? Well, the reality is uh, the Willie Lynch story uh, is the poem uh, Willie Lynch, uh, published September, uh, published anonymously in Langston Hughes's magazine, September 1929. It tells it all about how you divide one from another. But the important thing uh, about this evening's show was, uh, to me, is the media. And the media plays a big, big role in confusing people. You know, uh, you were talking about Nicaragua a little while ago. Well, Nicaragua was found to have the most progressive uh, tax system in the world since the the G the G eight created this tax system. But yet, as you know, we were reading in the newspaper that uh N- Nicaragua had closed four hundred uh non profits down what they did because right now, Brother Africa, the uh endowment for democracy is doing the work of the CIA. 
it's establishing churches and organizations in Colombia, uh, in Nicaragua. The Nicaragua, the Sandinistas, did their research and they shut down those and uh, from such organizations here in the United States as well as wherever else they may have developed from whose only goal was to undermine a democratic government. Now, the reality is is that Nicaragua was found to have had um, uh, this tax structure in place much better than, quote, the United States and some EU countries. And... Uh, and had received an award for their uh, quickness to bring forth this uh, um, tax code. But we didn't read about that here. So we see that, and you were talking about Angola, and I was talking, I wanted to bring up Angola because it was clear that Cuba and Russia and China supported the NPLA. Um, we talked about Patrice Lumumba and this month being uh, the celebration of the independence of the Congo. And the reality is, is that um, he is the first liberator and we must focus on these things and remember, yes, the 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 NFL uh, has the, our our Africans here as slaves, but there is this incredible racial divide with baseball because who the audience is now in baseball? Baseball is a game for the bourgeoisie because of the cost of the tickets. So. They don't want to go out and see no Willie Mays, no African from the United States. They'd rather see someone from somewhere else because they undermine and confuse them and races a status in this country. So you can be from El Salvador and consider yourself a white person. When everybody knows you may be light, but you damn sure ain't white. And so there's this whole incredible uh, racism that's going on right now with the uh, migration of people here. But the United States is going to lose because it faces losing its history. That's why I talked about the slaves and where they were sold. And so often people will tell you, well, the South was the only place slaves were no, no, no. They were shipping them right into New York. They may have been moving them elsewhere, but they were. So it's important on forms like this, Brother Africa, that some truth, some bits of information be given out. Tonight I asked a woman named Onu if she had heard of Patrice Lumumba. She's about 35, 40 years old. She had never heard of him. She's born on the continent of Africa. So they're not only dividing us here, brother, they're dividing us on the planet. And that's what we need to realize. And the way we change that 
is organizing where we stand and working from there out. You know, you listen to this music, it all has us hating ourselves, this profane music in the summer, you're walking down the street, or if you're in a wheelchair, you're rolling down the street, someone has their windows down, with the most profane, unconscious music you can imagine. They don't even realize they're human beings in this type of music. And this music isn't being produced by Africans. It's not being produced by Africans. It may be chanted down by Africans, but it's clearly not produced by Africans. So the reality is is that, again, social media as well as the news industry plays a tremendous role in confusing and distracting people. And Ronald Reagan said in 1981, I believe, when he was uh, his second term, that people were too educated. And when he saw that uh, the students were standing up at universities protesting wars and other things and standing up for human rights and environmental justice, he decided that too many people were being had access to education, and he said the goal of the United States was to restrict whom had access to education. So they've done many things. They've exploited the diversity lottery, where we, during our civil rights movement, wanted our brothers and sisters to have access to come to the United States. So we would not be an invisible people who had built this great nation, great only in its commerce and the comforts, the creature comforts that we've developed. But it was built on the backs of enslaved people when you couldn't get credit for owning land. You could get credit only for owning human bodies. So through the diversity One minute, Act, would come and they would become a part of us. But they're trying to divide them from us. So they're trying to give them greater access to one resource and us greater access. And the main thing is to stop us from communicating. And as I said, the Endowment for Democracy is playing a tremendous role abroad. And we see what the religious right is doing domestically. We're seeing with the legislative action that um, took place in Uganda last month against the gay community, where this reverend tells the people of Uganda, the, the, the legislature, that, that, that this is a U.S. phenomena and he should stop it before it starts. That is propaganda. So it's not only a domestic problem, it's an international problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Sister Eleanor. To our listening audience and our panelists, one of the things I'm just observing sometimes when we have discussions among ourselves, we got to be real conscious and careful how we take in and internalize uh, the oppressive language and, and their narratives. When we see ourselves as a people, we have never been slaves. We have been enslaved, but we are not slaves, and we need to keep that in mind. Make that point, I come to Brother Subukwe. Brother Subukwe, 
based upon my earlier little presentation on how they try to keep us from seeing ourselves as Africans, um, your response to how they have used libraries, institutions, universities, intellectuals to keep us divided while at the same time they call us everything but what we are. It's your general response to this last uh, issue of discussion, Brother Subukwe. Great question. So basically divided, uh, divided, uh, I can't even, uh, skip my, the saying skip my mind right now, but divided we fall, basically. That's what the United States of America took when uh, the World Trade Center was bombed. But look, that's, that's how they um, enslaved us, right? That's how they colonized us. Because we was divided. We was divided by tribes or ethnic groups. We didn't see ourselves as being African, right? So now that's what they built capitalism off. That's what that's how they enslaved us. That's how they, you know, had the middle passage going back and forth or slave ships going back and forth, um, to capture us. Um and then when we get here you know, we was we were seeing ourselves on the plantations as the same as one as 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 one as a, as a as a, as one as the same because we was catching the same hell hell our enemy was the same right that slave master on a plantation or that overseer that system of capitalism is our same enemy so we are one people we are Africans trust and believe that the Europeans see themselves as European they probably call themselves Americans they probably call themselves British they probably call themselves French. Belgians and so forth and so forth, but they in fact see themselves as as one group of people being European. They know their motherland is Europe, and they know our motherland and homeland is Africa. They know Africa. We they know we Africa is ours. They keep us divided. They keep South Africans um, from understanding that they're the same people in Ghana or they're the same people in in Libya. The same they're the same African in Somalia. They can continue to keep the borders up. They can continue to keep us colonized in the vast. When we uh, over here see ourselves as bloods or crips, or we see ourselves as a certain gang, or we see ourselves as alphas or omegas or a Q-dog or, or a pit bull or what, whatever, a Christian, Muslim, Baptist, all of these divisions, instead of just seeing ourselves as Africans. I'm going to take what Malcolm said a step further. He said, when we come to the t- table to, to discuss our issues and problems, leave your religion in the closet. I say we got to leave any other. African should be primary. Af- Af- Africa and African, that's your primary being. All your other denominations or your other things that you claim or what have you, that should be secondary. The first, you are African. Malcolm also said, because you born, if you was born in an oven, they don't make you a biscuit. If, if catch was born in an oven, they don't make the kittens a biscuit. They're still a kitten. They're still a, a, a cat. You understand what I'm saying? So they're still an animal as, as we classify them as. Because we was born in this oven here in the United States of America, America they don't make me a, a, an American. They don't make you an American. We are a, a African. The China man understand that if, he, if he's uh, born in America, he's still Chinese. He understand that. So we need to come to the understanding that we are African. We, are, we want to claim America. We the native. Uh, we are Seminole. We, and, and the Seminole is Africa. We, we're African. The first human being was found in Africa. I don't understand why it's so hard for us to accept and understand that we're African. We want to claim everything else 
We want to build more. We want to be this. We want to be that. We want to be Eidos. You understand what I'm saying? We want to be Dominican. We want to be everything but African. We are African people. And that's the, that's, the, that's the bottom line. And they talk about Scipio Africanus. They say, well, Africa is named after a white man named Scipio Africanus. No, it's not. Scipio coined his his name, Africanus, because he felt like he conquered Africa, right? So that's why he, he got Afri- Africanus from African. The name Africa was Africa first. Africa, that's who we are, Africans. So that's what that's what we got to understand. We can sit up here and say we're a Negro, we're colored. That's the most dumbest uh, saying. I don't I don't like that. We're African people. We're is one is only we're human people at the end of the day. And once we understand that we are all human beings, we can be so much further and not look at ourselves as a uh, means to an end. We're not a, a, a we're not an object. We're not a, we're not a machine. We're a human being. And we got to understand that we are Africans, though, as African people from Africa. That's the first thing. As black people, we're African people. I think Walter Rodney explained it. Uh, if he was straight, he had a straight home on that one. That's why they bombed him and assassinated him. He understood that he was African before he was a uh, 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 Guyanese, if you will. Thank you. Well, brothers and sisters, this is Africa on the Moon, and I'm going to put on my medical hat. I'm going to now become a doctor, and I'm going to inject all of you Africans. Once you live in Africa, in Europe, in South and Central America, in uh, North America, if you live in Asia, I must inject you all with some African medicine. And right now we're going to take a quick break. I'm going to inject you all with some medicine when we come back. We can be very clear of who we are. We are Africans, and right now I'm going to give you a shot. This is your shot. Action high, high, high. Your action 
come from As long as you're a black man You're an African No mind denomination That is only segregation You're an African Cause if you go to the Catholic And if you go to the Methodist So don't you where you come from As long as you're a black man You're an African No mind your nationality I've got the identity of an African Cause if you come from Britain And if you come from Thank you. 
Israelite, if you're African, your heart too shall lie to, in Africa. You African, not because you're born in Africa, but because Africa was born in you. Welcome back to Africa on the Move as we continue to speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. We're going to close out the discussion today as we talk about a system of corruption and control as we deal with this particular last point for today's program. And the point is we need to resist and redefine and rewrite our own narratives. There are so many narratives that are being written by the capitalist system and all these systems support our brothers and sisters, imperialism, Zionism, you name them. And such narratives as painting African people as being criminal people. I thought we were interesting. I uh, listened to an article the other day and uh, a presentation by a young brother. He made an interesting observation on this question of how they continually try to make African people criminal people and criminalize us throughout the world, not just limited to the United States. And he stated that when Obama was in the White House, he tried to get some legislation passed in which the federal government as well as the state administrations would jot down or would list the race of each individual who committed a crime so they can have a clear narrative of, you know, this question of crime and race relationship. And did you know they voted against that, refused to do that? What was their motivation to not to want to do that since they think race is a factor of creating criminals? Who are the real criminals? And one of the things that came out that we know is that there's something that's going on where crimes that are being committed in this country, they are more of European in nature than Africans. Some types of crimes of killing your parents, your mothers and fathers, has a tendency to be European more so than Africans. And there were other distinctions that this brother talked about, but you never hear that in the media. Why is that? They talk about the media and want you want to present to you that Africa is poor, that African people is poor. But did you know the reality is they found out that without the African resources going into Europe, if there was a break or a cutoff for African resources going into Europe for over two years, European countries would collapse. So you tell me who are the poor, who are those who are dependent. They won't make you think about people of dependency. These are the kind of narratives that the system creates to corrupt you and control you that we need to fight against and be aware of. Let alone, they don't talk about the technologies that African people continue to produce on a daily basis, but they never write those. They only write those when Europeans do something. So, brothers and sisters, your final thoughts for tonight, I start with you, Brother Moses. Talk to me. 
Okay, it's been an interesting show. Um, I thank you for allowing me to be on. It's been uh, very, very enlightening. Uh, I think, you know, we we have to study the situations that we are faced with and get a scientific outlook and a scientific understanding of the situation uh, in order that we don't just superficially, pseudo-intellectually come up with solutions. Uh, We, you know, this, this, these, these war problems have been here for, for a long time now. Capitalism has been in existence and we've been struggling and there's been concrete uh, struggle and, and we don't need to reduplicate the efforts that, uh, People have done before. That's why we need to study and and, and get theory as a guide to action. Uh, you know, certainly, you know, the world continues to develop, and and we have to unite the many to defeat the few. That's that's the bottom line. I, I believe that the history that the history is best served by studying Marx, Engels, Lenin, Stalin, and Mao Zedong as contemporary leaders in the international struggle for communism and scientific socialism and uh, as the vanguard. Uh, and I I uh, hope that people will take up the cross and follow the leadership. Thank you. Thank you, Brother Moses. Sister Eleanor, your final thoughts for tonight. Well, I want to thank you for another show, and I'd like to correct, uh, if I misstate it, uh, we were formerly enslaved people, and the reason the first divide was to make us hate ourselves for being formerly enslaved people and brainwashing us to believe that we were enslaved because we were Africans. The second note, I wanted to go back to what you talked about earlier, the Angolan uh, liberation and the the fight from 1969 to 75. But what really helped Angola was when there was a successful military coup in Portugal that toppled the longstanding authoritarian government uh, they no longer wanted to be rulers over anybody in Lisbon. They wanted to divest the country of its costly colonial empire. And and uh, they were um, doing everything to implement independence of one of those colonies, and that was Angola. Now, what happened was um, Angola, Unida, and... Uh, a brother named uh, Sekou, um, what was his name? Uh, his name was Mobutu Sisi Sekou, was working on the side of the U.S. government, who was also, he was also in the end receiving funds from the South African apartheid government. But China, Russia, and uh, Cuba supported the MPLA, which was a uh, Marxist 
liberation movement and uh you know so we we've seen so much change and division but i think the division in the americas started in the united states when they convinced our reason for being enslaved was because of the way they portrayed african people in africa and uh you remember that the belgian king told the people uh in in uh in the Congo before Lumumba spoke, he said, We bought you civilization and you should be grateful because we bought you civilization and all this stuff and didn't mention all the rubber and the coltan that they had been taken out and having the people work their fingers to the bones, including children. And Lumumba said that was the most absurd thing he ever heard of. And if you look up on a Marxist uh, website, I don't know if uh, um, I understand that you can hear Lumumba's or read Lumumba's entire speech. So the division begins and is a brainwashing, and now with social media and the press, it continues. And uh, more organizations are developing. It's becoming more sophisticated. So as I said, and people should uh, investigate who this uh, endowment for democracy is and what it does. So I'd just like to thank you, Brother Africa, uh, for uh, allowing me to participate in this evening's forum. And uh, it was great to be here with all the analysts. I miss Brother Haki this evening. And, uh, you know, united the people will never be defeated. And that is something that we must remember and we must fight tribalism because what happened in Angola was that the Ovimbundi the Ovimbundi O-V-I-M-B-U-N-D the Ovimbundu tribe was the largest ethnic ethnic group and they thought that they therefore they were easily brainwashed into thinking that they should turn against their liberators and uh, uh, join people like Mobutu Sisi Sekou instead of fighting for real in, independence and uh, uh, now Mobutu uh, Sekou was in Zaire uh, you know, which is now the Congo Kinshasa, but uh, it's a complex issue there in, in South Africa. You know, there were technically it seems like three revolutionary movements going on at the same time for these people to liberate themselves. But we are still struggling here for liberation, and I apologize to our listening audience and. To my fellow panelists and you, Brother Africa, if instead of using the term enslaved people, I use some other term. Thank you, and have a wonderful week. Thank we you. We thank you, Sister Eleanor, and you do the same thing. You have a great week. We now go to Brother Subukwe. Talk to us. Your final thoughts. 
Thank you, Brother Africa, for another uh, wonderful show. We miss, we miss uh, Brother Haki. Um, look for his return, but we happy to have Brother Anthony back. It was refreshing to hear his voice and his commentary. Um, we definitely got to have him on the show and got to stay healthy. Um, and again, we got to we got to political educate ourselves about this dreadful system of capitalism, imperialism, and understand the solution to scientific socialism. And more specifically for us as Africans, Africa unified and free under a scientific socialist system is the only solution for African people. We will never be respected until we reclaim our land of Africa, until we can um, raise up our own military and, 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 and direct our own self without being raped by the Western imperialist government or anybody, depending on anybody. Um, the uh, the, the um, Saudi Arabian, Arabians, uh, whoever, we need, a, we need our own country and our own land, and our land is Africa. Organize, organize, organize more than ever. Join a revolutionary pan-African organization. Political, ed- educate yourself and understand that Africa, unified, socialist, scientific Africa is on the horizon. Thank you so much, and have a wonderful evening. And you do the same, my brother, and thank you for your contribution as well. Next, we make our transition to Brother Anthony. Brother Anthony, your final thoughts for tonight. My final thought for tonight is that Pan-Africanism the total liberation and unification of Africa under scientific socialism is the ultimate solution to the problems facing Africans worldwide. We must join an organization that is working for the liberation of the masses of our people. We must struggle to achieve scientific socialism as never before. We must work to achieve scientific socialism no matter what factions we belong to. We must work to achieve scientific socialism. Thank you, and have a good evening, everyone. Thank you, Brother Anthony, for your contributions to today's program, and we'd like to thank all our panelists for their contributions, and we'd like to thank you, the listening audience, friends and supporters, for tuning in every Sunday evening at 7 p.m., where we can um, have this family discussion on Africa on the Move. One of the things we ask you to do is to help us this year by spreading the word and sharing it with your network. We want to increase our listenership at least to another 100,000 people. And we can do that with your help and your support, as well as we'd like for you, if you support this program, this new program, please email us. Let us know. Email us so we can stay in contact with you. And more importantly, at this stage of our development, 
We are calling for your financial support. If you can make a generous contribution in supporting the work of Africa on the Moon Radio, Blog Talk Radio, by sending your donation to Zelly African Awareness Association 2 at Gmail, or you can cash app us at dollar sign, capital E, small, I mean dollar sign, capital L, small e, small e, small c, small r, small o, small b. Your contribution will be greatly appreciated. Or you can just write a check or money order to African Awareness Association, P.O. Box 4433, Richmond, Virginia, 23220. This program is a community project project development program under the African Awareness Association. Like we say often, we're here for you. We come to speak truth to the powerful and the powerless. But more importantly, we want to give you information so you can think. We want to expose you to organizations so you can think more clearly clearly by acting, by doing. And the best way you can do this is to do it through an organization by being organized. Remember from our brother Kwame Ture, one of the legacies he taught us is that no unorganized force can be the organized force. So if we want power, if we want our freedom, we must be organized to get it. Join the organization and fighting for the liberation of your people. And like always, we say to you, Understand the importance of Pan-Africanism. With the achievement of Pan-Africanism, the total liberation and unification of Africa and scientific socialism, it will strengthen, empower, and free Africans all over the world. But we must fight for our mother Africa, free our mother Africa. And again, we thank you for all that you have done, for your support, and come back next week. We leave you with some music and liberation. This is the 2nd of July. 2023. This is the ending of this program. The theme tonight was a system of corruption and control. We hope that we have displayed some examples of why we must eradicate capitalism, imperialism, Zionism, neocolonialism, sexism, all systems that exploit men and women. You must eradicate and destroy them. And bring in an alternative, which is socialism under the direction of Pan-Africanism as an objective. That's our solution. If you disagree with us, no problem. Just show us its incorrectness, and we will make the change. Until next time, this is Africa on the Move, and we'll see you next week by going forward Apple and backwards novel. Chains, living in pain, today is the same, and nothing ever changes. Hung by a noose, can't tell the truth, filled with abuse, and everywhere there's danger. How long can this go on? When will the light I see? I know. I must be strong to last through my journey, yeah, last through my journey, yeah. Time 
will arrive when we must decide to get off the ride and stop going through these changes. We must prepare and learn how to care, but soon we'll be there while our lives won't be in danger. And when the light is clear, oh how beautiful I will be. That I've been here and made it through my journey, yeah, and made it through my journey, yeah, 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 made it through my journey, made it through my journey, Hello a bloodline across the waters from Benin to Salvador Bahia. A scar across the face of the earth. Pellerino, the place they brought the Africans, the place where they tried to make them slaves. Pellerino, you can feel the whip, hear the cries, and see the blood in the red clay. The clay that holds the stones together is African. And each stone is a bone from a people called slaves. Pellerino was the place where death came to dwell. His neighbors did not complain, for he was a way out. From the cold, gray, cobblestone streets to the lifeless cathedrals, tall walls of demons called angels, haunted visions of white faces, crucifying Jesus again and again. But in the sacrifice of this blood, of this dance with death, comes life more rich, more pure, more alive, where death spent many lonely nights pacing the floors of his funeral parlor, waiting for someone to die. Pellerino, a French word called the place of torture, became a place of strength, a place where faces of white saints became faces of black gods, where haunted visions and demons became healing visionaries and orishas from the motherland. And Jesus rejoined his kinfolk and was reborn and baptized in the sound of sensual skin turned up to dance, to inspire a fire like the sun pronouncing his presence. Pellerino was the tongue of the flame, licking the eyes of those who have tried to remain blind, shining a light on a spirit that would not be denied. No, the chains did not break the spirit, did not enslave the music of my soul, did not shackle the will of my freedom, did not tarnish the glow of my gold, and all the Pellerinos in Africa, in Europe, in North and South America cannot destroy the majesty of my people, the love of my people, shining like the sun everywhere we go, everywhere we go. Life is clear. Oh, how beautiful I will be to know that I've been here and made it through my journey. Yeah, and made it through my journey. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. 
second time today Everybody scatters And hopes it goes away How many kids they've murdered Only God can say
press down Man, how's quick to pay that girl like a clown? He go, hey, take it on me